0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Talk Back. You're listening to today's latest edition of Talk Back, hosted by yours truly, Gloria Shay. Today is July 14th. Today is Sunday here in the city of Cleveland, Ohio, and it's being hosted by yours truly, Gloria Shay. Welcome to Talk Back. Yes, we are taping a day later today. Some days, some weeks we tape on Saturday. Some weeks we tape on Sunday, but it's a lovely day here in the city of Cleveland. I certainly hope you're having a great weekend as our weekend winds down. And of course, Monday starts another work week for most of us. I certainly hope you've enjoyed your weekend. And hey, it's still going on. It's not over yet. So I hope you continue to enjoy your weekend. We are going to actually take a part two. We're taping a part two today of an in-depth look at presidential candidate Kamala Harris. And we want to give you and bring you the part two today. Part one did air on last weekend where we talked about this interesting politician. And we want to, of course, bring you some other information, updated information about uh, this candidate. And she actually, let's see here, just to give you some background information, um, she was born October 20th, 1964, to an Indian mother and a Jamaican father in Oakland, California. And she has been uh, an, an attorney, city prosecutor, attorney general, now senator, junior senator. And she's now running for Democratic Candidate president of the United States. She's led an interesting life, as I said in part one of this story. And this part two is going to be nothing short of interesting information about this candidate, Kamala Harris. As I said last week, she has led a very interesting life, and in all of the investigation work that I've done into her life and into her. Uh, life as an attorney, and as a, a city prosecutor, and as an attorney general. Uh, it's all been so interesting, and uh, some of it has been, contra- I found some contradictions here. She has many critics, uh, especially those on the west coast, there in the San Francisco area, where she worked many years as an attorney many critics there and we're going to share with you today some of the information that, that they have uh, brought forth and their opinions about her as attorney prosecutor and as attorney general there so we're going to get that right out there to you get to right on into it first we need to take care of a bit of business our sponsor is safe step walk-in tub if you have a family member loved one who is having some trouble getting in and out of the tub call safe step walk-in tub at 1-888-214-7020. 1-888-214-7020. They offer the industry's leading low-step-in. They are a member of the Better Business Bureau. They do have financing available. You can also go to their website at Safe Step walk-in tub. You call them today. One eight 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 two one four seven zero two zero. Okay, so welcome to today's latest edition of Talkback, hosted by yours truly, Gloria Shea, and we're conducting part two of our in-depth look at presidential candidate, Kamala Harris. Now, she has often stated to reporters, to the news networks, that she considered herself a very progressive prosecutor, the time when she held the position as city prosecutor there in San Francisco. And what we're going to show you or share with you in today's episode, part two, is not everyone, not everyone agrees with that assessment that she has been a very progressive prosecutor. You may often have heard her say, when I became a prosecutor, when I was elected district attorney and also Attorney General of California, she said, I created one of the first re-entry initiatives. It became a model. It was designated as a model in the United States for what law enforcement should do to be, as I call it, smart on crime. Now, on last week's episode, I gave you a really good outlook or outline of her... Uh, program. It was uh, it was a reentry program for uh, first time drug offenders who sold drugs and uh, dealers, and also those that maybe have been was uh, arrested for using drugs. She did launch that in March of 2015. She was then Attorney General, and it was a great. I mean it it was a great program. It was very very successful, and I outlined that to you how she actually was able to take first-time offenders and help them re-enter into society and become productive citizens without having to spend massive amount of time in jail for just disturbing small amount of drugs. Many were repeat offenders and they had been in and out of the system for years and years. Uh, They were uh, felons. And uh, many of them had prior arrests, averaging at least 20 times per offender. Most of them were low-level drug offenders. So she was able to introduce this re-entry program uh, back in March of 2015 and and allowed these uh, young men and young women to basically re-enter society and take their lives back. Not all were young. They ranged from the ages of 23 to 58. And she instituted partnerships with both public and private entities to come together and supply these these offenders with tools to use to reenter back into society. Very successful program. A lot of kudos goes out to her for that. Worked extremely, extremely well. And she does deserve the credit for that. So that was great, She, you know, that was a great thing, worked well, even got some funding and it's still, uh, I imagine, by me being here on, in the Midwest, in Cleveland, I'm not sure how effective it is today if anyone has taken up the mantle and continued to, to offer the program. But it was a great model, as she said, for the whole country and I certainly hope that other states take up the initiative. To continue that program so great things there but she has a lot of critics and um, they really are saying that she's not as progressive as she would like us to think that she is so we're going to talk about that I'm going to share with you some of her cases Uh, Some of her cases that have been very troubling for many out there on the West Coast in the San Francisco area who deal day-to-day with a lot of the legalities and the criminal justice system. So we're going to for sure uh, bring that to you uh, today and then you can kind of make your own decision. And uh, her numbers I've learned in the polls are kind of dropping a bit, not sure why that is. They did rise a bit right after the debate, the first presidential debate. But it appears that Biden is still holding strong on his numbers, even in the African-American community. He hasn't really lost any ground. And actually, I think um, Elizabeth Warren now is second, and Kamala Harris is facing third position in the presidential race thus far on the Democratic side. So I'm not sure if that, it doesn't appear that that really did her a lot of good now a few weeks after uh, as it did initially there out the gate for her. So she actually, um, she wrote a book called The Truths We Hold and it's kind of a memoir and it talks a lot about her coming up as a kid and the values that her mother taught her. But it also shares her political view, her look at the criminal justice system and how it should be overhauled. And uh, she talks about things that, uh, how uh, even in her home state and across the country, that um, there tends to be uh, raids that are targeted towards black and Latino uh, populations. And she talked about, she also, wrote a book back in 09, which I wasn't aware of. In 2009, uh, it was entitled Smart on Crime, a career prosecutor's plan to make us safer. So uh, that is a book that she wrote back in 2009. There's a lot of talk that, and we all remember former President Barack Obama's book, The Audacity of Hope, and how that was just fantastically done. The writing, the inspiration that came out of that book was just unmatched. A very popular book on the New York Times bestsellers list. Did extremely, extremely well. And I'm not sure if she was looking to match what Obama did with his book in her memoir, The Truths We Hold, I'm not sure if she was looking to hit the same home run there that Barack did with his book, but um, her book, her memoir, talk, talks about pretty much overhauling the criminal justice system. And at the time, Barack, of course, had spent uh, not a whole lot of time as a senator when he decided to throw his hat in the ring. For the, uh, for the Office of President of the United States. But the, the, the word is that her book is not doing as well as Barack's uh, The Audacity of Hope did back in 2006. and uh, But I made note of this in last week's episode. Um, her overall felony conviction rate in San Francisco rose. From 52% in '03 to 27% in '06, the highest seen in a decade. So she, her conviction rates, were pretty darn good, pretty darn good, there. So we uh, we have to take take that into consideration. But the New York Times did a report, actually in January of this year. And they explicitly say that they think the senator was often on the wrong side of history when she served as California's attorney general. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit about this story. You're listening to Talk Back right here on Anchor Podcast. Today is Sunday, July 14th. It's a beautiful day here in the city of Cleveland our sponsor is safe step walk-in tub you can give them a call at 1-888-214-7020 214 you're listening to talk back so so they she has her critics our critics are out there and this is a story i'm going to share with you it came out of the times the new york times it was actually published january 17th of this year and it uh, talks about her district attorney tenure from 04 to 2011. She was criticized in 2010 for withholding information about a police laboratory technician who was accused of intentionally sabotaging her work and stealing drugs from the lab. So the word is And this is really interesting information here. Um, So many stories, but uh, here's what happened. It it was a big uh, crime lab scandal, whereby there was a lab tech who was using the drugs rather than testing them. As a result of that, many convictions became tainted. Tons of convictions were considered tainted, tainted. because this lab tech here was using drugs, using the drugs, rather than testing the drugs. And the word is that her office had known about this for months. So the judge found out, the judge found out about it, became very incensed, wrote a opinion castigating Harris for allowing this to happen in the first place. Here's what Harris did. She tried to get the judge disqualified because the judge's husband was a defense lawyer. 600 cases were thrown out because of this scandal involving a crime lab in San Francisco. That's one thing that happens, happened while she was D.A. there. Now, progressives urged her, many progressives there locally in the San Francisco area, as well as nationally, uh, has urged her over the years to embrace criminal justice reform, which is what she says. She stands on that and she says she's done that. But they were asking for that while she was district attorney in California, really around year 2016, 2017. On Here's what they're saying. She opposed them at every turn or she simply just stayed silent. What was most troubling was Miss Harris fought tooth and nailed to uphold many wrongful convictions that have been served through uh, official misconduct that included evidence tampering false testimony and the suppression of crucial information by prosecutors now the reporter to break this story in the times was laura brazelin she's also a professor at the university of san francisco school of law a couple things just a couple instances where they say her record doesn't really stand up to this pr- progressive uh, attorney or progressive prosecutor, prosecuting attorney that served uh, in the uh, state of California for all those years. They're saying, just doesn't add up. 2014, she declined to take a position on Proposition 47, which is a ballot initiative approved by voters that would reduce certain low-level felon- felonies to misdemeanors. So she had a great program to re-enter into society, but yet here, here's the, here, these, here are the contradictions. Here now, which in 2014, she declined to take a position on Prop- Proposition 47, which was a ballot initiative approved by voters in 2014 there, that would reduce certain low level felonies to misdemeanors where they would be reduced from a felony to a misdemeanor. She laughed that year when a reporter asked if she would support the legalization of marijuana for recreational use. In 2018, she finally reversed course long after public opinion had shifted on the topic. So she kind of was against it at first. And then when she saw the popularity of it all, especially out there in the state of California, she kind of got on board with it. So she wasn't actually pushing for it at first, wasn't really uh, for it. And then when she saw that it was a losing cause, she kind of jumped on board with it. Here's some more information. Ms. Harris' record in wrongful conviction cases are enormous. For example, there was a guy by the name of George Cage. He was an electrician with no criminal record. He was charged in 1999 with sexually abusing his stepdaughter who reported the allegations years later The case largely hinged on the stepdaughter's testimony and Mr. Cage, ultimately, he was convicted. Afterward, the judge discovered that the prosecutor had unlawfully held back potential evidence, including medical reports indicating that the stepdaughter had been repeatedly untruthful with law enforcement. Her mother even described her as a pathological liar. In 2015, when the case reached the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco, Ms. Harris' prosecutors defended the conviction. Her office con- defended the con- the conviction. Remember, she's a c- she's a city prosecutor here. They pointed out that Mr. Gage, while forced to act as his own lawyer, had not properly raised the legal issue in the lower court as the law requires. The appellate judges acknowledged this impediment and sent the case to mediation. A clear signal for Miss Harris to dismiss the case. She could have dismissed it, especially after the case was sent to mediation. Because the, the appellate judges here are simply saying, Let's fix this. There is something here that probably was unfairly done to this uh, accused person. So I think instead of just throwing it out or, or overturning at the conviction, let's go to, let's send it to mediation and see if something can't can't uh, be done. So the appellate judges acknowledged the impediment, sent the case to medi- mediation. A clear signal for Ms. Harris to dismiss the case when she refused to budge, the court upheld the conviction on that technicality. Mr. Gage is still in prison serving a 70-year sentence. He represented himself. Okay. Okay and it was basically a technicality that Ms. Harris office said that while he did act as his own lawyer he had not properly raised the legal issue in the lower court as the law requires. Here's another uh, instance. Ms. Harris also fought to keep Daniel Larson in prison on a 28 year to life sentence for possession of a concealed weapon, even though his trial lawyer was incompetent and there was compelling evidence of his innocence. Relying here again on a technicality, Ms. Harris argued that Mr. Larson failed to raise his legal arguments in a timely fashion. But this time she lost. She lost the case. They overturned. She also defended Johnny Baker's conviction for murder, even though judges found a prosecutor presented false testimony at the trial. She relented only after a video of the oral argument received national attention and embarrassed her office. And then there's a the story of Kevin Cooper, death row inmate whose trial was infected by racism and corruption. He sought advanced DNA testing to prove his innocence, but Ms. Harris opposed it. Now, after after the New York prosecutor, it says here, yeah, after the New York Times expose of the case went viral, she reversed her position. Interesting. And all the while, we know that a state top prosecutor has the power uh, and should have the imperative uh, to seek justice. In the cases of tainted convictions, that means conceding error and overturning them. Rather than fulfilling that obligation, Ms. Harris turned legal technicalities into weapons so she could cement injustices. In her book, the truths we hold Camilla Harris recently published. She says that America has a deep and dark history of people using the power of the prosecutor as an instrument of injustice. Well, everyone listening to this episode and anyone who has had maybe a friend or family member, co coworker who's had a kid in trouble and the deck, literally was stacked against him or her and the city prosecutor's office used every technicality that they could to put this young man or young lady behind bars for a long time versus really hearing out or having some sort of, I don't know, some sort of empathy that was utilized in the courtroom to give these people another chance contradiction here. We talked about how the good things that she's done with her reentry program and how successful that has been. But yet, there are some underlying cases here that the folks in California know about, but not everyone else around the country are aware of these cases. She says, I know this history well of an innocent man framed of charges brought against people without sufficient evidence of prosecutors hiding information that would exonerate defendants of the disproportionate application of the law. But all too often this report here is saying out of the Times, the New York Times, she was on the wrong side of that history. In other words, she advocated publicly. She talked about it. She talked about wanting to do something about it. But there were case after case after case where she was not on that side that she so much pushed for. Her cases, her individual cases, did not substantiate how she really felt. So here are the contradictions So, as her tenure district attorney, her critics are many. Here's another instance. She did refuse to seek the death penalty in a case involving the murder of a police officer, and she started a successful program that offered first time nonviolent offenders a chance to have their charges dismissed if they completed a rigorous vocational training. That's the success that she had. As Attorney General, she mandated implicit bias training and was awarded for her work in correcting a backlog and the testing of rape kits. But if if Kamala Harris wants people who care about dismantling mass incarceration and correcting miscarriages of justice to vote for her, she needs to radically break with her past. This is the report coming out of the New York Times published first part of this year so she does have a controversial record on the criminal justice in the criminal justice system she does have a controversial record on criminal justice no doubt at at all and some may say a troubling record as attorney general the back on track program was a success we have to give that to her extremely successful But the other cases are there and they are on record and she has to be held accountable for those. It also says that her office fought to release fewer prisoners even after the US Supreme Court found that overcrowding in California prisons was so bad that it amounted to unconstitutional, cruel, and unusual punishment. At one point, her lawyers, who worked for the city prosecutor's office, her lawyers argued that the state couldn't release some of these prisoners because it would deplete its pool for prison for prison labor. Can you believe that? I'm going to repeat that Kamala Harris office fought to release fewer prisoners, even after the U.S. Supreme Court found that overcrowding in California prisons had gotten so bad that it amounted to unconstitutionally cruel and unusual punishment. At one point, her lawyers argued that the state couldn't release some prisoners because it would deplete its pool for prison labor. Harris quickly clarified that she was not aware her office was going with that argument until it was reported by the media. Now, if she is city prosecutor, then she knows what's going on in her office. She was personally opposed to the death penalty early in her career. She got some political backlash for that. But when she became Attorney General, she told voters she would enforce capital punishment. And she did. In 2014, she appealed a judge decision that deemed California's death penalty system unconstitutional. So she appealed the judge's decision that said, hey, the death penalty system is unconstitutional. She appealed that. She appealed it. And many say she didn't have to do this. In another case, she declined to defend Proposition 8, which I said a little earlier, which prohibits same-sex marriage. Interesting. But she called herself kind of the top cop. Uh, In writing her 29 book that liberals need to move beyond bias against law enforcement. It's stated that she also overlooked and defended law enforcement officials accused of misconduct. And we talked about this briefly here uh, when the state prosecutor Robert Murray falsified a confession using it to threaten the defendant with life in prison. And after the court throughout the indictment, Harris office appealed it, dismissing the misconduct because it did not involve physical violence. Harris also resisted some attempts to hold police accountable for shootings, including a bill that would have required the attorney general's office to investigate killings by police and efforts to create statewide standards for police worn body cameras. She also defied calls to have her office quickly investigate certain police shootings in California. So, there are a lot of contradictions there. You make up your own minds, whether you think um, this really should even make any difference in your decision to vote for presidential candidate Kamala Harris, that's your choice. I'm gonna leave you with this thought. Who really is Kamala Harris? Is she this progressive, former lawyer, now a junior senator and candidate for president of the United States, the highest office in the world? Who is she? Who really is she? her record has some contradictions. So I, my biggest thought, my biggest question coming out of this, this two part series on her is who is she? Who's the real Camilla Harris? You've been listening to Talk Back right here on Anchor Podcast. Our sponsor is Safe Step Walk In Tub. If you have a loved one who's having some trouble getting in and out of the tub, Let's face it, their lifestyle has changed or your lifestyle has changed. Call Safe Step Walk-In Tub at 1-888-214-7020. That's 1-888-214-7020. You can certainly go to their website at safestep.com Well, that's my show, folks. You've been listening to Talk Back right here, hosted by Gloria Shea on Anchor podcast. Until next time, America.